Hi, and welcome to Hack the Net, where every week we delve into the darkest recesses of the internet to find something interesting or even comprehensible. I'm Matt Nutrient Slurry Heron. I'm Jeff Jim West Desperado Kowalski. I'm Louisa Clockwork Rat Heron. (laughs) Good job, everyone. Thanks. We definitely did three completely different things. <laughs> I think Clockwork Rat and Wild Wild West are in the same genre. They're yeah, both steampunk. Go. Wait, is this rat is this rat extremely racist and played by Kenneth Branagh? Because then I get it. Maybe. Uh, no, <laughs> he's a <laughs> he's a big robotic spider. Can you believe that when they made that movie, they were like, "Hey, here's what we'll do. We'll have." Character actor Kenneth Branagh be constantly spouting the most horrifically hateful racism all the time, and the counterpoint to that is that, haha, we'll have our hero be spouting ableist slurs all the time. Like, that'll even it out? Yeah, what this, are you doing? This was yeah. the era of Rush Hour, though, where both of the people are hateful towards the other person, and that's how they uh, make all the comedy. Yeah. I mean, that's bad in a different way. There's <laughs> always that false equivalency in uh, dude movies, right? Or in that sort of entertainment where uh, someone's uh, perpetually extremely racist to the minority character, and then that character at some point gets to be like, ha, ah, but you're ugly, and then it's all even. We're all yep. just bros having fun. It's weird, though, because you kn- I know for a 100% fact that that movie's script was written by a white man without any mm-hmm. disabilities, and so <laughs> yeah. he did both of those. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. That's <laughs> the see, problem. It's the idea that if anyone uh, takes a shot at anyone, then it's all even. Yep. Oh, you see, in the second movie, Jackie Chan said back to him, do you understand the words coming out of my mouth, so it's (laughs) fine now. (laughs) (laughs) Because Chris Tucker speaks really fast and high-pitched, and that's the same as making fun of someone having an accent. Is it satire? Are we just not getting it? No, Brett Ratner's a huge racist. (laughs) The The real experiment was on us, the audience, to see if we would put up with this shit. Yeah. And we did, I guess, huh? I feel... (laughs) So, experiment failed. (laughs) I I was hoping when you mentioned Wild Wild West that I would get to again talk about the video from Biomos, which I love so much because it has people dancing sensuously while Enrique Iglesias sings, and then the giant robot spider exploding buildings in the background. (laughs) (laughs) That is very good. Can I talk about how I went to the Jersey Shore a year or two ago, uh, and I was walking on the boardwalk, and they had an alien-themed escape room, and it Mm -hmm. was like, you know, you could go in, it was like, escape from the alien uh, abduction pod, or whatever. Uh, I obviously did not go in, but they had, like, um, music playing out onto the boardwalk to attract customers in, Mm -hmm. and the first time I walked past it, they were playing Men in Black. Get it. Yep. I get it, 100%. They also played some other pop songs while we were standing nearby. Fine. We walked away. Like, an hour later, we were walking back and walked past it again, and they were playing Wild Wild West. You can't. You <laughs> they, can't. They That's just, nothing. Uh, really appreciate the work of Will Smith. That's all. I guess so, but what the fuck, guys? <laughs> I like it. They should have played uh, Nightmare on My Street. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that would be more appropriate, honestly. <laughs> At least it's scary. <laughs> what are the scare what are the spookiest pop songs? Oh, uh, we can't do this. 
<laughs> it's not a season for it. Yeah. Um, yeah man, how true. many? Uh, how many? But also, Dead Man's Party by Oingo Boingo fucking slaps. Yeah, Ooh, I love that song. Rules. That is like the only six-minute song where when it's over, I'm like, mm, I need to hit play on this one again. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. <laughs> Jeff, I used put that to... song at the end of the episode. Thank you, Jeff. Okay, I will. Uh, I used to put on songs from a uh, David Lynch sort of like chill beats album <laughs> that came out uh, ten years ago. Mm-hmm. Did it have lyrics? Uh, it had some spoken word by David Lynch. <laughs> no, see, I think I'm if you're going to say a pop song, it has to be one with lyrics. I'm going to invite a young lady home for, to my uh, home for a drink, and we'll listen to the soundtrack to Eraserhead. <laughs> <laughs> it was. This, um, this is you, Jeff. I'm being you now. Yeah. No, that would absolutely get me laid, though. Uh, <laughs> oh God! Uh, what kind of women are you dating, Jeff? <laughs> what kind do you think? Uh, <laughs> This album was by Danger Mouse and Sparkle Horse, both of whom are popular uh, electronic artists of the time, right? I've never heard of Sparkle Horse. No, yeah, me neither. I don't know Sparkle Horse that much either, except for this album. <laughs> uh, anyway, can you uh, imagine how many COVID nineteen themed escape rooms there are going to be after all this? Uh, who? That's a that. Yeah, how there will be? I don't understand. <laughs> Well, (laughs) being locked in a room for an hour is how you get coronavirus. So yeah, you your say body can gonna... withstand it for fifty nine minutes, but if you get to sixty, you got <laughs> it. When you say when you say COVID nineteen themed escape rooms, what you mean is that they use COVID nineteen to up the stakes of escaping <laughs> this room. Yeah. Like no, it's going to be like the conceit of it is you have to get out of here in uh, less than an hour, or you're going to catch the uh, deadly unnamed <laughs> disease that. Uh, we made up and isn't related to anything in pop culture. Yeah. Jeff, no, you I worked Jeff on this. No, hold on, hold on, Jeff. <laughs> Thank you. You worked, you worked in an escape room. Yeah, they don't need a new motivation for get out of this room. It's always like find the treasure, but in an hour, something mysterious will happen. Like that's fine. They don't need to justify it more than that. We've all already bought in literally no, by paying that. money to be in this escape room. What if it's put together enough things to make? some type of respiratory contraption. So oh, yeah, you have to put together a respirator. Oh, yeah, you have to put together a carbon scrubber using only these <laughs> things that are on the lunar landing module yeah, exactly. to save Tom Hanks. <laughs> could you yep. get? I bet I couldn't. <laughs> You have to find all the pieces of an iron lung to get your to put your game to intubate your game master before the end of the hour. You have to find all the pieces of an iron mask and put them together to trap Leonardo DiCaprio's face in it. Listen, this is already tasteless when I brought it up, but it's gotten much worse. I feel. Yeah, no, I like find all the pieces of a silver monkey and put it together before a temple guard gets you. End of joke. Okay. I liked that shift to Man in the Iron Mask. <laughs> yeah, that you. was pretty good. That was a good uh, vein of comedy? I guess comedy. Yeah. Oh, um, man. I didn't I know Kenneth Branagh directed that bad Artemis Fowl movie this year. Oh, I'd like to guy. point out the fact that it's wild to me that, like, p- places that run um, haunted houses during Halloween times. Why are we so spooky this episode? It's mm, summer. It's, I like it, though. It's good. <laughs> we, yeah, we, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's our Halloween in, in July episode. I was just going to say that. Damn it. Damn it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Uh, anyway, there are all these places that have haunted houses and, like, they kind of struggle to do business the rest of the year in terms of, like, oh, I guess we'll do, like, a a Thanksgiving hayride or, like, you know, just tours of this old building or whatever. And yet, 
Legends of the Hidden Temple existed, and you could just, it, uh, at your haunted house place, build a realistic recreation of the temple, and be like, hey, $20, and you can, as an adult, run the Hidden Temple obstacle course like you wanted to do when you were a kid. And fucking everyone on Earth would do it. <laughs> yep. I bet people are doing that with um, the rise of those TV shows, like, uh, I'm trying to think of any of their names. Greatest oh. American Ninja, is that one? Ninja Warrior? Is that one? Ninja American Warrior, Ninja yeah. Warrior, yeah. That's um, more like a, that feels more like a, a guts. Right. Yeah, definitely more guts, but yes. I know places are putting together obstacle courses like that because their here's shows what, are popular. Yes, yeah. and here's what I'm saying. I don't think you can copyright the layout of an obstacle course. Yeah, probably so like, you not. Could, you could just call it like myths of an obscured facility or whatever, <laughs> but just make it literally exactly just the Legends of the Hidden Temple obstacle course mm-hmm. because everyone wanted to do that when they were a kid, right? Everyone was like, I could fucking put that silver monkey together so much better and easier than these dumb shits. Yeah. yeah. The kids on there are always very bad. Uh, yeah. And for that matter, let's get a double dare up. Obstacle course. I want to. No, that's that was different nose. every time, Jeff. You can't. That one doesn't work. <laughs> that one's only no. for perverts. <laughs> I want to go digging around in a nose for a little flag. Mm-hmm. Well, just stick a flag up your nose. <laughs> that sounds like a go take a hike or go. F- <laughs> yeah, eh, go stick a flag up your nose, you jerk. <laughs> yeah, we're the little rascals on this episode. <laughs> yeah. How come two of them, buckwheat and alfalfa, were named after types of grains, but not the other ones? Originally, they were all named after grains, but everyone was like, we don't think sorghum is a likable character. <laughs> this is where Dennis Farina got his start. <laughs> <laughs> That's an God extremely good it. joke! <laughs> wow! I didn't know if anyone would get it. <laughs> no, that's, that's incredible. Oh, God. <laughs> Oh, Jesus. Oh, no. <laughs> Let's oh just end God. the show here. Yeah, I've peaked. I've never Ten minutes in, done. Oh, oh, man, that's the best joke we've ever done on this show. <laughs> it's also, it's one of those jokes that there's no way you could convey to someone why it was funny yeah. unless they listened to this whole episode up till now. <laughs> I don't know. They could have cut out the parts where we were uh, talking about terrible ideas for escape rooms that were extremely uh, problematic <laughs> and insensitive. I mean, wait, which ones were problematic? We talked about Apollo 13. That's we talked fine. about Man in the Iron Mask. Fine. When we were talking about putting together an iron lung and stuff about uh, disease, not so oh, bad. I, I assumed that Jeff was referencing a pop culture product that I didn't know. Is that not what's going on? What? <laughs> there we go. <laughs> we are Jeff, problematic. Jeff, are you extremely high right now? <laughs> no, I just discovered that there is a character in The Little Rascals named Farida. No! Uh, what? <laughs> it's... I, I believe that it's uh, it's bu- taking all of your brain power now to deal with that new reality that's been introduced. To yeah, you. I believe this is Buckwheat's younger sibling. Oh God, um, who was flip flopped between genders as a toddler for some reason. Oh man, this bugs me out in a major yeah, way. I hate it. <laughs> uh, okay, well then, instead, 
Uh, Jeff, what did you do this week? Good question. Um, oh, what did Thank I do you. this week? Oh, you know what? I, I don't think I've ever talked about this game on the show. I've been uh, trying to finish up Cosmic Star Heroin. Have I talked about that on the show? Jeff, you shouldn't do heroin. It's not good for you. Oh, no, the other kind with the E at the end. That kind is good for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a turn-based RPG very much, like, if you look at it, you're like, well, oh, this is Chrono Trigger in space. Mm-hmm. Um, to the point where it almost looks like they started with sprite edits of the main characters, because the faces are the same. Mm-hmm. Uh the like shape of the eyes and stuff, um, but it's a it's a little more elaborate in terms of the battle system. Like Chrono Trigger, you could kind of just push A through most of the fights uh, until later on. This one, uh, each of your moves that you use, you can only use once until you use a move that is uh, like recharge all your moves. So you really have to consider like what's the right move to use on the right enemy at the right time every turn with every character, and I like that a lot. That's cool. I think I'm looking at screenshots of this now, and I do like the way that the pixel characters, the sprites, I should say, and the um, like the enemies and all that stuff look. The character design on the close-ups of the people's faces is absolutely terrible. Yeah, the, the so bad. Dialogue portraits are not great. <laughs> yeah, these are like sub Newgrounds flash game level and like <laughs> p- drawings of people's faces. It's really weird because like the environments look really nice, the yeah, battles they, look fine. They it's got an oh. extremely good pixel artist and then I guess just a not good regular artist. <laughs> It's very, it's got very big, uh, like, how to draw manga energy to it. Yes, Uh, absolutely, yes. This game is very often extremely cheap. Like, right now on Steam, it is a buck fifty. Um, and it's. Oh, yeah, the summer sale's going on right now, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, I think I also, I think when I bought it on Switch, it was like two or three dollars. Um, and it's from Zeboid Games. They've made a couple little indie RPGs like, uh, uh, Cthulhu Saves the World, Breath mm. of Death 7, and uh, the third and fourth of the Penny Arcade games that people liked, I guess. Breath I of a- Death 7 sounds like a made-up uh, joke game. <laughs> it is. Okay. I've played I played all of those games, so I'm surprised that I haven't heard of this one before, but I'm buying it literally right now. Hold on. Yeah. Uh, and the best part of it is it's only like 15 hours long total, which is half the length of Chrono Trigger, which, you know, Chrono Trigger's a much better game, but I could beat this one in half the time and it was only $3. Does it have as good a, uh, like, like character interaction combining to use abilities uh, I, thing, because that's my favorite part of the Chrono Trigger mechanic. I'm about a third of the way through the game, so like five, five and a half hours in, and I just unlocked the part where you can uh, do, like, team-up link attacks. Mm, where you uh, run around Specchia's lab three times to get the uh, medical <laughs> abilities. Yep. <laughs> Uh, where you go into that bucket and just go right to Lavos and get completely wiped out seven times in a row. Yeah. Uh, so good. Let's just talk about Chrono Trigger the whole time. Oh, that game Yeah, rules. this is our Chrono Trigger podcast now. <laughs> is there any way we could start a podcast where every week we just talk about, like, one hour's worth of gameplay from Chrono Trigger? Yes. Well, yeah, let's do a minute, uh, uh, yeah. Chrono Trigger minute <laughs> podcast. Yep. 
a minute by minute, like the, didn't somebody do that for Star Wars or something? Yeah, Star Wars Minute is a very popular show, um, and they spawned a whole genre, and they were like, hey, you guys, anyone can do this for any movie, and we won't say, like, we won't think you ripped us off, and we will promote you. So now there's a whole genre of minute by minute movie podcasts. Mm. Huh, okay. That's interesting, mm. but the the format is so specific that you know you have a absolute maximum length of your podcast, and also kind of a minimum, because you look like a real uh, dipshit if you drop off after like 29 minutes or something. <laughs> yeah, you only watch <laughs> the first half an hour of Star Wars Episode <laughs> 1. Uh, that's the only good part <laughs> of mm. the whole series. <laughs> you get through oh. that and you're like, yep, this is the, this is the only part of Star, <clears throat> Star Wars that matters. Holy crap! <clears throat> oh, dying. he's dying! Oh no! Oh my Rest god! My whole my whole throat fell out. Whoops! <laughs> uh, they just finished Rogue One. Mm, um, so they're closing in on the end. Then they're going to have to end their podcast soon. I I don't think that they have yet watched Solo. Have um, they watched The Mandalorian or all of the bad CGI ones? Uh, it looks like they have watched. All of the main series films, Spaceballs, Rogue One, Spaceballs the Holiday Special. What? They got to Spaceballs before Rogue One? <laughs> I'm just looking at the balls. I'm looking at the tags on the side. They might not have done a minute to minute of Spaceballs. Hmm. Uh no, Spaceballs looks like it was a one off episode. Okay, good. Oh, uh, it was fine. an April Fool's Day episode. Space Spaceballs minute sixty three is what they did. <laughs> That's actually extremely good and funny. <laughs> I like that a lot. Yeah. Uh, and another April Fool's Day episode, they did Minute 98 of uh, the of Big Red 1, which is a war movie, I guess. Hmm. Don't know that one. <sighs> is it about gum anyway. in some way? Yeah. Yeah, it's... Uh, that, I guess this was probably interrupting Rogue One, right? It's mm. not great. It's not great. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's not much of a joke. It's anyway. barely a joke. The other one is a good joke. Mm. Yeah, but, like, you can't just keep doing that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I do like the idea that that format means that, like, y- you can keep your episodes pretty short, because you can't talk that much about one minute without, like, repeating yourself, I feel like. I guess yeah. so. Uh, they they had Irvin Kirshner on two of the, maybe every April Fool's Day episode. Uh, he <laughs> is the co-writer of many of the films, and I believe directed Empire Strikes Back. Anyway, this is boring. I want to talk yeah, about the first minute of Chrono Trigger. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, so it's just going to be those birds flying by, and that's it. <laughs> no, no, you wake maybe up. Maybe Chrono waking up. Yeah, yeah maybe. you wake up and you hear it's the Millennial Fair, you guys. Yeah, hooray! Everyone loves it. Do There's we so all avocado remember? toasts and uh, dumpsters? <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> I never put that together. Oh my god! Uh, Jesus Christ! Fire today. <laughs> Nobody's doing nobody's doing the foot race because they're all too depressed. <laughs> yes. You do have to fight oh a giant God. machine for even the tiniest amount of currency, which is a lot like being a millennial. Oh, yeah. Ooh, Relevant. commentary. Relevant. Got him. Uh, yep. And it's a kombucha drinking contest. Okay. Yep, there you go. There we go. We got all of them? Okay, cool. <laughs> Jeff. Jeff, you and I need to pass the rock to Louisa as much as possible because she is oh, on no, fire I'm today. Joke. <laughs> Jeff, we, I'm saying that you jinxed me. Yeah, no, we already do, and everyone knows that she's the best person on the show. <laughs> I mean, that's true, but we do both mm. yell over her every time she speaks. Well, we are men. Yeah, that's true. It's true. 
hard to surmount that. Yeah, let's end the episode right now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Matt, what'd you do? Um, So I also played a game that is free on Xbox Game Pass, if you have that. Uh, And I'd heard a lot about it. And Jeff, you, I think, specifically would love it. You've probably already played it, actually. But for anyone out there who likes Metroidvanias and is a fan of, like, Hollow Knight or, obviously, Metroid or Castlevania, uh, it is Bloodstained Ritual of the Night. Oh, yeah, I have that on Switch. Hmm. Have you played it? Uh, I've played, like, three or four hours of it. It's It's nice. It's an extremely good Metroidvania game, and it's in the vein of that one Castlevania game where every time you killed a monster, you got one of their powers. Aria uh, of Sorrow and its sequel, the Dawn game? of Sorrow. Yeah. Those were the best Castlevania games, in my opinion, because they're the only ones I played all the way through. <laughs> I, um, did, I like both of those so much. Yeah. It's just fun that... I feel like in a lot of the Castlevania games, the gameplay gets extremely boring because sooner or later you're like, okay, I get it. I've got a whip and I can pick up these like flaming crosses or whatever, which now that I'm saying it out loud is very bad, but whatever. Um, and that's basically it. Whereas in these games, like as you beat monsters, you gain their powers. And then you have to start thinking about the loadout of like, I've got slots for five different powers. How do I equip these powers to make a good combo to fight things with? Yeah. Um, this, uh, this game was created, it was a Kickstarter game and was created by, um, Koji Igarashi, who directed literally all of those good Castlevanias from Symphony of the Night up through, uh, Portrait of Ruin and mm. Order of Ecclesia. I mean, that makes a lot of sense, given the gameplay, you're like, oh, this feels as good as the best Castlevania games, so it's extremely good, it's very fun, and, like, uh, it does a lot of the stuff that that has come along in gaming since those games came out, like a crafting system, and, like, missions that the villagers send you on, like, kill ten of this kind of demon and stuff like that, so it's great, and... I played the game casually, not really play- paying that much attention to it, and got to the final boss and beat him, and I got the bad ending? I didn't even know there were <laughs> different endings to this game, but I beat him, and then they're like, okay, well, we've killed the main bad guy. Is the castle still full of demons? Yep. We gonna do anything about it? I guess not. Game over. <laughs> oh, <Yeah>. shit! <laughs> no, Matt, you have to go uh, collect really obscure objects from different ends of the castle, go get the secret glasses that let you see what's possessing Richter, and then when you defeat him, you go to the upside-down castle. I mean, yeah, that's pretty close to what I'm doing now in the game. I had to drink an entire fountain of blood. Nice. (laughs) What? (laughs) Yeah. Are you a vampire? Uh, you play what is called a shard binder, which is you can take shards of different types of monsters and put them in your soul, which is how you get their powers. But one of the monsters you fight is a vampire, so you gain her ability called Blood Steel, which allows you to suck blood out of your enemies. Uh, and there is a fountain full of blood at the very beginning of the game, but if you drink all the blood out of it, there's a secret door in the bottom of it that leads to the real game that you didn't even know you were playing. Yeah, she's some kind of crystal deep. Yep. So you're like okay, a Kirby cool. in this game, then. Your species is a Kirby? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. I think that's fair. Like a, like a sexy Kirby. Like uh, if also, Kirby was a sexy anime sexy? lady. <laughs> also, there are... S- Wait, you're just describing Kirby. Yeah, yeah no, I'm sorry. I forgot that uh, Pink Circle with a Face is the sexiest thing to Louisa. 
<laughs> I, I was gonna say the thing that makes this Kirby sexier is that he that this Kirby has like 150 different hairstyles that you can nice. choose from. That's pretty good. But if you play Super Smash Brothers, Kirby does have a lot of hairstyles in that game. Yeah. Ooh, and, and he can in fact get a Castlevania whip with long the long flowing hair that goes with it. Yeah, he gets a mullet and a Castlevania whip. That's basically just bloodstained ritual of the night. <laughs> okay. Now I know uh, the elevator pitch. Are we stupid? Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just wanted to make sure. <laughs> uh, but we have self-awareness, anyway. which puts us ahead of a lot of people, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. It's probably I feel like we're getting above our raisin there. That's true. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> We should we shouldn't think we're superior to literally anyone on Earth. That's true. just a bad yeah, look. That's true. Agreed. Uh, anyway, it's a very <laughs> good game, and it's free if you have Xbox Game Pass. So I would recommend playing it. I think it also cool. uh, came with games with gold last year. Okay, at some point that that makes sense. I liked that I could play it on my PC uh, with mm. Xbox Game Pass because I like to have a game that I can play while I'm on work conference calls to really stick it to the man because like fuck fuck that I have to be yeah, on so many work. conference calls uh that, that I don't that don't matter so I have a game playing in the background while people are talking around nice. me. Nice. Yeah, get them. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's so. Texas. <laughs> That's that's how I beat Gato to get my ten silver points. <laughs> yeah, metaphorically. Yeah, metaphorically speaking. Louisa, what did you do this week? Um, you know, but also I watched uh, <laughs> Young Guns, the movie Young Guns. Have you ever what? Seen it? Why <laughs> is that Will Wheaton in that? <laughs> that joke doesn't make any sense to anyone else, Matt. We can't use that joke. I'm trying to remember what I don't even know what that joke is. I, is that a joke? I thought he yeah, was seriously I'm gonna, asking. I'm gonna explain it because it's so <laughs> okay. So it circulated on Twitter a long time ago, like seven or eight years ago, that a uh, very angry Reddit person had a screed about how much they hated Will Wheaton because this person was obsessed with young oh, guns. Oh yes, now and they, I remember. They met Will Wheaton at some kind of like sci-fi convention. They said they felt sorry for Will Wheaton because no one was coming to his table at that moment. Like, whatever. Projecting a lot onto Will Wheaton. And they said, oh, hey, I hear they're making... They were telling this story from way back, so this is like eight, late 80s. Oh, hey, I hear they're making a sequel to Young Guns, they said to Will Wheaton. To which Will uh-huh. Wheaton said to them, a person that he didn't know, a total stranger, oh, I wasn't in Young Guns. And then this crazy Reddit person had this whole screed about how incredibly self-absorbed Will Wheaton was, and what kind of asshole did he think I was talking to him about Young Guns because I thought he was in Young Guns, and because this person was obsessed with Young Guns? Yeah, I remember this now, and like, the thing that I think is so funny about this isn't even just that he did this, but the fact that like... He was like, hmm, I'm, this is a stranger. Forget yeah. the fact that this is a famous stranger. This is a stranger. I need to strike up a conversation. Yeah. The thing that I need to talk to this person about <laughs> is the movie Young Guns. <laughs> oh, I really love that because he kept coming back to the sentence, I wasn't in Young Guns, as evidence of how incredibly self-absorbed Will Wheaton was. And I love that. <laughs> I keep thinking about that. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh. I wonder. I wonder if Will Wheaton remembers that strange interaction. Yeah, I wonder that too. I mean, it was it was big enough on the internet that it entered my subconscious, so he must have heard about the backlash against it. If there's one celebrity who has a Google alert on their name, it's Will Wheaton. I believe. Oh, God, for sure. Probably, yeah. Uh, so my only familiarity with this movie is the sample of the audio played at yes. the beginning of Regulate by Warren G. Yes. yes. Uh, so is this a good movie? <laughs> also, don't forget the uh, incredible titular song by Bon Jovi. No, see, that's Young Guns too. And here's where we get into why I saw it. Well, hold on, is the song called Young Guns too? Also, <laughs> oh my god, that would be amazing. <laughs> hey Bon Jovi, where's Young Guns one? No, no, no. <laughs> hold on, you're confused. <laughs> you're confused. <laughs> So, I made a social media post that I love the um, uh, soundtrack to Young Guns 2, and I do. I genuinely fucking love that terrible John Bon Jovi, not Bon Jovi the band, album. Mm. And some people said, well, how come you never saw it? I'm like, I just, I don't know, it just passed me by. They're like, it's not good, but you should probably see it. And then I was like, you know what? I'm doing nothing with all my time at the moment. Why don't I see Mm. it? (laughs) So I did. It's a bad movie, y'all. Of course it is. Yeah. Did duh. you really think Dermot Mulrooney was going to burn up the screen? <laughs> As Dirty Steve. That's his character's name. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, that's like that's like a nickname you have for a person who, like, you don't want to kick out of your friend group, but they don't really shower and they smell kind of bad. Yes. <laughs> yes, that's true. But he knows where to get weed. <laughs> That's why we keep him around. Is there a guy in this movie in Native American face? Well, kind of. It's uh, Lou Diamond Phillips. Uh Uh-huh. And Lou Diamond Phillips is part Native American, but he's mostly not Native American. So he's mostly Filipino. So, like, it's iffy, but... Okay, that is slightly less terrible than I thought it was, but it's still pretty bad. I mean, that's the level of, like... Mm. Do I want to say this next thing? It's close to the level of Johnny Depp thinking that it's okay for him to play Tonto. Oh, yeah. No, that's fine to make fun of. He sucks. Yeah, I wasn't worried about making fun of Johnny Depp. I was saying, like, do I want to lend further credence to the claim that Johnny Depp made that he was Native American enough to do this thing? But I guess I'm saying he's not, so that's fine. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And of I course, looked into it. the uh, character that Lou Diamond Phillips plays is it's one-dimensional, of course. Yes. And that it's every... Uh, it's like he's like a straw man. He's meant to be half... Um, uh, Mexican and half Native American, the character, okay. and it's it's the straw man of every white fantasy of like uh, they'll be the magical guide for your spirit journey and shit. Like it's all yeah. that in this character. And like we were saying earlier, this actually ties right back in. Characters, especially Dirty Steve, make a lot of racial slurs to him. But then in the end, one of them says, I'm glad that we uh, had our adventure together when they're right about to die. And he says, yeah, me too. You're all right, he says to Dirty Steve. And fuck this, fuck this movie! (laughs) I forgive you for racism, white people, he says directly to the screen. (laughs) (laughs) Ugh. So this movie is incredibly thin on plot. I actually wanted to see it before I saw Young Guns 2, because I knew if I just watched Young Guns 2, I was never going to go back. Okay, yes, that is that is sheer madness, Louisa, to watch <laughs> just Young Guns 2. Yeah, so I wasn't going to do that. I watched Young Guns first. <laughs> I do like it. the idea of being watching it and being like, well, I bet a lot of this is explained in Young Guns 1. <laughs> <laughs> 
explains how on Young Guns 1, half the people on the poster are then not in Young Guns 2. They get killed. But- Oh, I thought you were going to say they realized it's a bad movie and they don't want to be in the sequel. <laughs> Probably. But in the movie, there's a shootout where it is completely 100% clear that everyone is going to need to die for this narrative, and then okay. half of them don't. They escape um, from the second floor of a burning building uh, through mysterious means, but they're alive mm. for the sequel, so fuck it. Well, we all know that in every movie, Charlie Sheen's character has the ability to turn into a hawk. He gets shot down <laughs> like halfway through the movie. He's in a there- blaze of glory. No! Yeah! <laughs> Outside Get her. of an outhouse. <laughs> <laughs> so he dies, and he's the first one where all the rest of the young guns have to be like, oh shit, this is really real, we might die. I'm I'm just saying that regardless of whether it happens or not, in Charlie Sheen's contract, it is said, stated that he has to, his character has to be able to turn into a hawk. Okay. It's just part of his, like, process. Yeah, it's sort of like that thing with Sean Connery needing a bigger explosion in each successive film. Yeah. <laughs> It's pretty good. Uh, also, um, this movie, halfway through, they've established what they, the conflict, what they want to do to resolve it, and then there's another hour of the movie, and it makes no sense. They just ride around and kill random people here and there, almost get caught, and then don't for literally an hour. Looking at posters of this movie, if you told me that this was a movie about a time-traveling Kurt Cobain who went back in time to the Wild West, I would believe you. <laughs> because <laughs> the people who are trying to costume Kiefer Sutherland oh, in yeah. this just did not give a shit. Yeah. It's all I- very bad. <laughs> I'm looking at the personnel for the soundtrack, and it's an insane lineup of super celebrities. Which one are you looking uh, at? The first movie's soundtrack? Uh, no, the uh, John Bon Jovi's debut solo studio album, Blaze <laughs> of Glory. Talk about that yet. I haven't seen that movie. <laughs> Uh, okay. Well, I'm not going to talk about the movie at all. <laughs> no, Jeff, the soundtrack spoils some very major <laughs> plot points. Well, yeah, I somebody goes the- down in a blaze of glory. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the movie, the soundtrack actually does, because I'm familiar with the soundtrack. I love it, like I said. And there's a character in it who is set up as the Young Guns' main rival, and he appears in the first movie as a guy who's much older than, than them and doesn't care about them at all. So I'm curious to gun. see what they fucking <laughs> fix that with in the sequel. Jeff Beck played guitar on this album. Uh-huh. Jeff Beck played guitar on this album. Randy Jackson played bass. Elton John was on piano and backing vocals. Yeah. Little Richard played piano listen, and vocals. Listen to this fucking album, y'all. This is my recommendation to you and the audience. I love this Lou album. Diamond Phillips does vocals on sure, the goddamn of thing. He does. Why not? <laughs> I know that John Bon Jovi appears in the movie. <laughs> yep. Who are the runners? Because they're credited with hand claps. That I don't know. Do you think that Casey Simaska really thought this was going to be his, like, breakout role? I looked him up after uh, he was in this. He's a guy, of the guys that you know on the poster, he's the one you're like, who the fuck is that? Yes, exactly. I feel so bad for this guy. (laughs) But He He was in Back to the Future. He has been, yeah, he has been in so many movies and TV and video game voices that I think he's doing all right. It's kind of a shame he's not in more, um, like, uh, lead roles, I guess. He seems like a nice enough guy. I mean, I'm sure he is. It's just very funny to see this poster and it's like, oh, all of these guys were huge movie stars except this guy. Yeah. I mean, the second one also has an appearance from Paul Balthazar Getty. (laughs) So, like, they weren't casting all the big guys. 
I mean, the yeah. second one is whatever it is, but the first we'll one, everyone out. else on this is a major movie star. So how yeah, many yeah. movies did Charlie Sheen and Emilio Estevez appear in together? Is this the only one? No, they, they were, were also in that- work? Was that it called tra- Men at Work? What's that? Was it called Men at Work? Yeah, the Trash trash Guys one? Yeah. Yeah. I think that they look too much alike to be I allowed to be in a movie together. don't look alike at all, actually. <laughs> if you see them next to each other, as I did a lot in this movie, and I was staring at them, because they don't play brothers, they play people who just met. <laughs> what? That's insane. <laughs> Hold on. That's insane. <laughs> well, and the subtext is that alike. one of them is the clone of the other one. <laughs> Truly the wildest Wild West. Yes. Look at them n- next to each other when they're young. I don't think they look that much alike. I do like that on the poster, the tagline says, Six Reasons Why the wild- why the West Was Wild. Yeah. And then it lists the names of all of the actors in this. Which And Casey Samazko is last, which makes it seem like it's supposed to be a punchline. <laughs> yeah, but, he's the wildest of the West. But what would be even funnier is if it just had five names. <laughs> Oh, that would have been very good. <laughs> so, I recommend watching this movie if you want to have a movie on while you're taking a nap or something, because you can take a good chunk out of the metal and it doesn't matter. Yeah, good recommendation, I guess. <laughs> Another thing that's weird is it kind of tries to set up, um, Emilio Estevez plays Billy the Kid, and it kind of tries to set up him and his lore and how people, like, flock to him and how these these men, young men came together to be a band of uh, brothers. Except he plays the character as a person who is kind of like the Joker. He laughs a lot and shoots people in the face for no reason and uh, puts his uh, band of brothers in danger constantly over nothing and threatens them and becomes paranoid. And, like, how are we supposed to sympathize with this guy? You're yeah. not. His mind is too twisted. If you tried to sympathize, <laughs> you'd go insane and become the Joker. Yeah, that's I pretty do- I think it's very weird. I was having this conversation the other day about movies like The Joker and, like, American Psycho and Fight Club and stuff like this, where, I don't know about Joker, I haven't seen Joker, but the other ones, I do genuinely feel like the authors of those stories were trying to make these characters completely unlikable, (laughs) where they're like, look, this guy sucks shit. Let me point it out in a hundred ways. Everyone notice how this guy sucks shit. And then audiences are like, oh man, isn't Tyler Durden awesome? And you're like, what the fuck, guys? (laughs) The main character shoots himself in the face to not be Tyler Durden, and you still think he's the good guy? (laughs) What's the matter with you? (laughs) Yeah. Although I, I think, think I think this movie was so incompetently made that you are supposed to sympathize with Billy the Kid. But I'm saying maybe why. it's maybe it's extremely competently made because they're like, well, we know we know how to make a white main character likable, and that's by making them do some heinous shit that like <laughs> bros think is cool. I guess. I guess that worked. Did it work? Do people still love this movie? I have no idea. I mean, people that still like Emilio Estevez for some reason. Yeah, do they? It's, is he, Casting directors sure don't. <laughs> is he as shitty as his brother? I have no idea, actually. I don't think that's possible. <laughs> I mean, he might just be quieter about it. That's true. Uh, let's see. Um, Where does Martin Sheen come out on all this? I have never looked it up and, or thought about it, and I guess now I'm starting to wonder. He was Uncle Ben in The Amazing Spider-Man, and that's all. That's it. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, okay. That was it? This is only credit? Yep. Okay. <laughs> what did he think about quick. great power and what that means? Yeah. Mm, he was quiet on the matter, actually. <laughs> Weird. Yeah. That's a new direction for the character. 
he doesn't seem to have any personal opinions that are notable enough to be on his Wikipedia page. The only I I googled does Emilio Estevez suck, uh-huh. and the only thing that came up is that apparently he tweeted at Blackhawks fans that they could suck it when the Mighty Ducks won <laughs> against them in hockey, and nice. that is very funny, actually. <laughs> Oh, that is very funny. <laughs> um, he was so, always one of those. I love that he, he was, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I can't move on. I love that he feels personally invested in the success of the Anaheim Ducks sports team because he played the fictional coach of the children's <laughs> team, the Mighty Ducks. I like that. Well, people probably ask me about, about it all the time. It has really gaslit him into this. <laughs> Into thinking that maybe he was the coach of the Anaheim Ducks and just forgot. Now they're all grown up. I just found out a really insane fact about Emilio Estevez that I need to share with you. He's related to Joe Estevez, who is a person with the craziest eyes in the world. No, no. Uh, In 2017, his appearance in films was found to generate the highest return on investment on average of all Hollywood actors. That's some Moneyball nonsense there, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. If you're casting a movie, cast Emilio Estevez. He works cheap. Mm-hmm. And he's a box office draw. <laughs> that, I was going to say, the thing I was going to say is he was kind of put forth in the Young Guns era, which is when I was a teen, tween to teen, that he was like a heartthrob. And yeah. I've never found him to be the slightest bit attractive. To me, he reminds me a lot of Steve Gutenberg, where you're like, I guess this guy's starring in this movie. Is anyone supposed to find him attractive? Do you, guys rem- do you guys remember the movie The Mighty Ducks? Like, you guys have seen it, I assume. Do you yes. remember what happens in that movie very clearly? No. No. I rewatched it a couple years ago. I don't know why, but I did. Uh, it seems like the movie wants you to be extremely invested in him fucking that one kid's mom. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that I don't remember. That's, like, the only plotline that seems to have any emotional weight behind it is how bad we, the audience, are supposed to want him to fuck one of the kids' moms. Hmm. Does it pay off? You gotta tell me. Uh, I think they do end up getting together, but, like, it's weirdly sexualized in a way that you're like, that's one of the kids you coach his mom. <laughs> Dude. Yeah. Now he's going to be that. his coach and his stepdad. Yeah, yes, but it's not a parent trap thing where it's like, mm, this kid is going to like trick these two into falling in love. Like, this is a sexy mom, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we got to the underlying themes of Mighty Ducks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's, underlying oh. theme of Young Guns is I don't know, but everyone shoots guns in every direction at all times. <laughs> yep. How was Will Wheaton's performance? <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh. fucking stoked to watch Young Guns too. I don't have to report back. <laughs> Can you please, I know that you're not on Twitter anymore, can you please live tweet watching <laughs> Young Guns 2 at Will Wheaton? No! <laughs> Absolutely he, he, not. He got chased off Mastodon, so you can't live-toot it at him. Yeah, Yeah, you gotta get it on Twitter. No! It'd be so fucking funny, though. (laughs) I bet he doesn't know about this. I bet he would just be horrified, and I would feel terrible. (laughs) He wouldn't even react, but people would think it was so funny. I didn't know that there was... I didn't know there was another Estevez brother, Ramon. Do you guys know about Ramon Estevez? I've heard of him, but I don't know anything else about him. Mm, What's his deal? You know, uh, he's a 
produces some things that Charlie Sheen worked on. Okay. Charlie Sheen was credited as Carlos Estevez, his birth name in the Machete sequel that he appeared in. Oh, anyway, yeah, it's time for that. the wiki, right? Yes. Yeah. All right, cool. Uh, <laughs> Jeff, I so- feel like sometimes you just are like, I bet if I start reading facts, a joke will come eventually. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh no, they need to get out of me when I learn them, otherwise I'll be poisoned. Because you will forget them instantly either way, so at least <laughs> yeah. this way they have some kind of permanence. I will be haunted by them if I don't say them. I will remember them forever. The only way well, to then, forget them is to well, get them out of the world. stop saying things, Jeff, because you forget everything constantly! <laughs> no, saying it is the only way to forget. <laughs> then- Yes, yes, and you are for, you forget your own life every second. You're like the memento guy. Yep. Uh, anyway, it's we got <laughs> wikiality. Um, oh, fuck. I don't know what that means, but this seems to be a uh, Colbert esque parody of conservatism in a wiki. Fuck, man. <sighs> Do you think that like people? abandoned this wiki four years ago when they realized that conservatism is beyond parody. I hope we find out <laughs> as we delve into this. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the background, I'm actually seeing it. It's a sky with clouds and Stephen Colbert is looking up uh, in a distinguished fashion and then on the other side of the page there is a bald eagle flying in. Flying in. <sighs> yep. Home, it says. <laughs> uh, Wikiality is uh, done as if the letters are colored like a American flag. Yep. Uh, uh, there's a ticker that scrolls that says the world world's greatest pundit now has super PAC. Go online to www.lcolbertsuperpac.com to donate now. Okay. <laughs> it's very slow. Yes. Yeah, it's really, it's like a sans serif uh, monospaced mono uh, font going so one character at a time. Uh, for the latest... Oh, sorry. For the latest and breaking truthy news, plug into Wikiality.com's news tube to stay uninformed. Liberals are not welcome here. This YouTube is not satire. Webtube, not YouTube. Oh, sorry. The rest of you it-getters, get busy and truthify something. Wikiality, the truthiness encyclopedia, what you want the facts to be. 12 There's million not- articles in American, all the truthiness that's fit to print. Your continued non-tax-deductible donations keep Wikiality fact-free. There's not supposed to be an L in the URL, I just checked. <laughs> it's just ColbertSuperPack.com. Yeah, that wouldn't very make done. any sense. <laughs> um, yeah, there's you- some American flag gifts. Do you think that the people who made this wiki are embarrassed now? No. Because, like, Stephen Colbert came out and said he kind of wishes he hadn't done this character because it normalized a lot of the very shitty things that conservatives do. Yeah. And these people should feel bad also, because they they got on board with this, what turned out to be a very harmful but funny joke. I liked the Colbert rapport. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was a funny show, but I do think it actively contributed to where things are now in terms of badness. Yeah, I agree. That kind of satire of, like, not doing anything about it, just being snarky. And, like, the problem with the show, I feel like Stephen Colbert should have known to get off as soon as conservatives started liking it. Yeah. Because, like, they knew that it was a joke, and so they could do very terrible things and be like, haha, but we're still in on the joke, right, guys? 
Yeah, unless you are um, making a type of satire where um, Bill O'Reilly will refuse to appear on your show instead of uh, appearing on the show as like a funny joke, yeah. uh, I, I think that you're doing a bad job. Similarly, I do feel like, um, similar to what we were talking about earlier with, uh, you know, making it your white protagonist so heinous that people will stop liking them, mm-hmm. I feel like it's very hard to make your conservative pundit so conservative that conservatives will hate them. I, I don't think it's possible, and I think that Stephen Colbert probably should have known, known that before. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I will counter, I think that uh, Sasha Baron Cohen did it recently. He's trending on Twitter because he um, last minute came in as, like, a, a big sponsor for some right-wing event, and then he hired his own private security and didn't let anybody go on stage except him. Um, and good. he went, he went on stage and started singing a, uh, song about killing all the people conservatives hate that was so terrible that everyone booed him. And then the, like, organizers tried to get him to get off of the stage, but couldn't because of his private security. <laughs> That's pretty good. See, I feel like he was always the one who would go for it and make people feel bad, whereas Stephen Colbert made the mistake of always being civil. Like, he would keep it to that yeah. level. It's a loving, it's a loving parody rather than a parody designed to try and get that person to punch you in the face. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, it, it comes down to like, like a, almost like a comedy roast style where you're making fun yeah. of the thing, but you're also making it seem like not scary by doing that. Yeah. <clears throat> I think also the thing with it, things like this very Wikipedia, is that it's a joke you can understand pretty quickly. So if you're a person with no sense of humor, you can latch onto this as like, no, I do have a sense of humor. I get this, and I can do it too. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? I see that a lot, yeah. I feel like. With memes, like they reach a point where people are like, oh, I get it. I understand. I can work with that too. And like, you're not getting the point of the meme, but you think you are, and you're like feeling good about yourself and your sense of humor at that point. Do you guys ever think about the... This was trending on Twitter at one point, the phrase, the left can't meme. You know about this? Yeah, I've heard of it, yeah. The level of, like, ignoring the fact of the matter to be able to get to that point of being like, we are so bad at jokes that we don't get jokes that are funny, and so we only think jokes that aren't funny are funny, and so we only think that the memes that we do are good. It's just, it's baffling that you would you would call attention to your failings so much in an insult to the other side, who is actually the only people good at the thing. Yeah. Yeah. But that's the thing. A very- like, uh, conservatives will attack uh, leftists on issues that they are guilty of because, like, that's what they're thinking about. So I think they feel like they can attack, oh, leftists can't meme because they can't meme. <laughs> so they're like, so I can turn this around on you. It's just, it's extremely weird because... I feel like, I remember when I was in, like, middle school, and somebody would do something dumb, and then people would laugh at them, and then they would accuse somebody else of having done it instead, and everyone around was like, no, we saw you do it bad, like, we we aren't gonna do that. How can we not do that now, as adults? How can we not all be like, you can't tell us that you can't, that the left can't meme when everyone is dunking on you so hard all the time. Like, we see it. Why are you, why do you think that this is a good argument to make? You have to have a standing, though, right? Like, you have to have a standing to uh, say, no, you're wrong, and then walk away. And if you're going to keep hanging around and listening to them on Twitter, like, they won. 
Yeah. There's a um a tag group on Facebook that is named uh Ah, so this is the right's fabled meme memeing ability, um, which comes into use a lot because every right wing meme is nigh nonsensical and very clearly uh that meme face where they're angry crying but have a smile mask on. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> that is the mood of every right wing meme. Yeah, I feel like in order to do good memeing, you kind of have to realize that what you're doing is stupid and dumb and bad. Like, mm-hmm. memes are stupid, and if you take them seriously, they're not going to be good. And so, so many right-wing memes are like, haha, this is a funny situation, but seriously, liberals are destroying America. And it's like, you don't even need to do this. <laughs> yeah. You could just- you could just do a meme like everyone else does, where you're just like, ha, ah, everything's stupid. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, why the so- most successful memes are from the share zone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> gets that's it right every time. <laughs> yeah. I went to popular pages and most visited articles, and the number one most visited article right now is Mrs. Butterworth. <laughs> Great. Yeah. <sighs> this is in the category Coalition of Black Friends. Mm-hmm. Um... And at the bottom, it has the stub notice that says, Mrs. Butterworth is an article about a person who is not Stephen. Please add more details so America can better judge Mrs. Butterworth's worthiness. The text of the article is, Mrs. Butterworth has no race. She is a clear plastic bottle when you drain the terrible syrup. That must be a joke from uh, something to do with Stephen Colbert, because that's too, like, well-conceived a sentence for these people to have come up with, I feel like. Uh, the article was created in 2009. Mm, okay. Uh and there's an edit from June 18th, 2020, uh, and the note on the edit is, Mrs. Butterworth lies were changed to truths. So let's look at the previous 2009 version. <laughs> oh. We're really uh, hacking the net this week. <laughs> Ooh, here we go! Controversial! Uh, Mrs. Butterworth is a part of the Black American marketing family, along with Aunt Jemima and Uncle Ben. She is considered the syrup to Jemima's pancakes, but that in no way implies a sh- sexual relationship. <laughs> So I think that this must be a uh, Colbert joke that was made in 2009 that was then um, revised in 2020 by an actual conservative who's mad. It's very upsetting that there's a picture on this page, and it is someone in blackface dressed as Mrs. Butterworth in like a Halloween costume, and underneath it just says caption. Yeah, there's no caption for this this image. (laughs) I do wonder... Okay, this is what's disturbing to me about this, is when you say syrup to her pancakes and then bring it up in a sexual context, something about pancakes in a sexual context does not bother bother me. But syrup in a sexual context is so gross to me. This is your, I'll know it when I see it, uh, Yes, exactly. Exactly, <laughs> yes. Fair enough. After- I think part of it is that I find artificially flavored maple flavored syrup to be like one of the most disgusting substances on earth. Yeah. Yeah, it's truly heinous. I got I- hot honey wings last week from Wing Wednesday, and Ooh. the hot honey I am one hundred percent certain is uh, corn syrup with some kind of honey flavoring, and then hot oh, sauce. No. Yeah. yeah. And I love those wings, but man, that stuff is garbage. Yeah, actual hot honey is very good. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But, um, the, the thing is, this thing that is so gross about syrup is in even the taste of it, which is bad, but, like, the 
chemical structure of it mm-hmm. or something. Like when you put it on a plate and then you like like swipe through it, it's sticky in the wrong way. Yeah. I don't know if I can even say what that means, but <laughs> I know it. Yeah, no, it's like glue that's been sitting out for like half an hour, so it's not set yet, but it's definitely getting there. Yeah. Oh, it's so gross. <laughs> and the fact that there's anyone on Earth who prefers it to real maple syrup is an absolute crime. <laughs> mm, yeah, I uh, I have some maple syrup to go with my butternut squash waffles that I made last week and then froze a bunch. Yeah. Uh, that is such a delicious combo. Yeah, yeah mm. that makes sense. The the fake stuff is too viscous. Yeah. When I first when I first switched to real maple syrup, I was like, oh, this is thin garbage. But then I like if I ever go to a restaurant and have, try to have the table syrup, like, no, it's goop. <laughs> oh, table syrup. <laughs> what a horrible phrase. Mm, that yep. is true. It's the opposite of Hakuna Matata, right? <laughs> <laughs> table syrup. The opposite. A horrible phrase. <laughs> It's the opposite of cellar door. (laughs) (laughs) Dumpy pumpkins. Yep. It's almost their season again. Is, wait, is table syrup the winter version of dumpy pumpkins? No, because it's is Is butternut squash a dumpy pumpkin? Yes, Yes. absolutely. Yes, it's got dumps (laughs) like a truck. Yes, it really does. (laughs) I I toasted the uh, seeds and ate them as a snack, and they were not as good as pumpkin seeds. Of course, that's why no one does that. I wanted to use every part of the butternut squash. (laughs) It didn't work. Yeah. Yeah, no, you shouldn't. There are parts of most vegetables that are garbage. Uh, So I've got a random page, and it is Godfather, and I put a link in the chat, and it is too foul for me to want to read it. Uh Uh-oh. I will stop after the words Marlon Brando. Uh, The Godfather, or Don Carleone, is the stupid, fat, pie-shoveling, Italian-American mob gangster that is portrayed by Marlon Brando. Uh, And beyond that, it just leans too far into actual hateful words. Yeah, part part of the problem with creating a wiki like this is that conservatives are constantly defensively yelling words that they know are hateful as a way to be like, I'm not under your control. Um, and by mocking conservatives, like, you can't do that because that those words are still bad. Even if you're using them satirically, it's not okay. Yeah, there is very little difference between reading these two and a half paragraphs about the Godfather and reading uh, an actual post by some boomer with a MAGA hat. Yes. Yeah. I remember reading a great review of the TV show The New Normal. Do you remember this? It was a sitcom a few years ago. It was when... Uh, uh, The title sounds familiar, but I don't remember anything about it. It was when Ryan Murphy was, like, real hot off the heels of Glee, so he was allowed to do whatever he wanted, and he made this sitcom. He still is. That's still true. (laughs) True, yeah. Uh, It starred uh, a gay couple who were adopting a baby, or had adopted a baby, and Jane Lynch was somehow involved in their life. I don't remember how. Um, But she would just pop up and say hateful, uh, shitty things to them as, like, hilarious jokes constantly. Uh-huh. And the review of the show said they didn't like it, and that they know that this stars gay men, it was written by a gay man, but what you're, you're asking your audience to do is sit and listen to someone say these horrible things as part of your entertainment, and that yes. doesn't make it okay. Just because you uh-huh. say she's the bad guy, you're still sitting and listening to her say all these things. Looks like this character's name was Jane, but she was played by Ellen Barkin. What? 
That's what I'm seeing in the cast list. The that the Republican hateful Republican was uh Ellen Barkin as Jane Forrest. Then I don't know what I'm thinking of, but this was Jane Lynch for sure, because Jane Lynch is also gay, and they pointed this out in the um, article. Oh my god, did did Ryan Murphy create two shows with a hateful Republican? Yeah, I'm sure he did. He thinks that's really funny. (laughs) But the point is, like, there's the line, there is no line between just showing it and saying, like, huh, she's crazy, right? And just showing it. Sorry. No, that's it. I was just going to say, I mean, it's the same defense that's been around since Archie Bunker, right? Where it's like, yeah. no, we are making this character look foolish, so it's okay. Yeah. But it's like, the people who need to know that this behavior is foolish are not going to get it. They are yeah. going to be like, finally, a character who's voicing my opinions on popular media. Yeah. And making them look foolish, in quotes, is always like, that means the good guy characters just kind of roll their eyes. Yes. That's not... <sighs> If you're right. not de- if you're not debunking them at every opportunity, then what are what message are you sending? Here's how you make them look foolish: as soon as they say one hateful word, electrocute them to death in an electric chair. <laughs> <laughs> we got back on track to this Halloween theme. We keep trying to get. Yeah, yes. there's nothing spookier than a conservative getting electrocuted to death God. in an electric chair. Fuck, it. that would be an awesome uh, haunted house. Actually, if you go through it and like, there's a bunch of ghouls and monsters, but then there's also a bunch of regular people, well, quote-unquote regular people who are extremely conservative, who are being dismembered and devoured by those <laughs> monsters, and you're there's walking a bunch through of- it like, I'm scared, but I'm not sure of whom, because I like there's what a- I'm seeing. <laughs> there's a bunch of ghouls and monsters who all announce that they voted for Trump. <laughs> no, no, no. I want the monsters to be the good guys in this haunted house, is what I'm oh, saying. okay. So the ghouls and monsters are communists, and they're tearing apart just regular good Americans. What are you doing, Jeff? Stop ruining my good idea of a haunted house where you sympathize with the monsters. I I just created a scenario where you definitely sympathize with the monsters. No, you have to make them not just regular good I know Americans. What Matt's, doing. But- Matt's doing the classic horror movie twist where you're a human guide who's like, no, I'll help you get through this uh, terrible mansion. And then you come to realize that they're actually the one who's evil and the monsters are trying to save yes, you. Yes, exactly. Them. They get halfway through it and then they just start talking about states' rights or something something and then a mummy eats them (laughs) in front of you and you're like fuck yeah mummy i loved you in the mummy you say (laughs) yes i'm a big fan of your work uh okay so i got a random page i'm sorry and i got the random page europe and much like jeff there is a point on this page where i cannot go on because there are extremely offensive racial slurs in the title of one of the sections on this page in fact yeah cool cool so cool, cool. that's great um yeah i i'm having a hard time with this page in general understanding whether the people contributing to it think that they are making fun of this conservative thought or actually ascribe to it and I think it might be both, which is very upsetting. Yeah, I think you're probably right. And it's be- very lazy and terrible. Like, this map, it has godfathers over Italy for Europe. Like, haha, very funny. Yeah. And then where it's Tur- where Turkey is on the map, it just says Thanksgiving meal. That's like you couldn't think of a joke. I mean, I would believe, I obviously don't know this, but I would believe that maybe this map was like a one-second flash-up joke on the Colbert Report or something, because that's the amount of work that has gone into it. Yeah. is like, it's a, it's a splash joke that just happened. 
happens and you're like, huh, I just saw the word commies, that's funny, moving on. And like, there's lots of intricacy to it that you could look at, but if you have enough time to look at the jokes and then think about them, you're like, yeah, that's not a joke. <laughs> what, what is this? What is the point of this? Like, you wrote Dracula over where Transylvania is. C- good? Good? Yeah. I don't nothing. get why the, I don't get why the blue area west of that is labeled Resident Evil. I'm guessing it's a reference to Resident Evil 4, but that game takes place in fake Spain, not fake Eastern Europe. Yeah, I don't- mm, I couldn't tell you. What's the part labeled democracy? I'm not very good at geography. Greece. Yeah. Okay. So do conservatives like Greece now? Yeah, they like the fake idea of the classics. Like, the classics yeah. but they hate what they, they want. They hate that Greece was bailed out by the European Union, I know that. Oh yeah, they- conservatives have this very specific idea of classical Greece being, like, basically white people who were geniuses, and then, like, things changed after that. Mm. You know what I'm talking yeah. about. Yes, I- that is, uh, like, the two things from the classics that white supremacists love are ancient Greece and Norse mythology. Yeah. And those are the two, like, warring sects of, uh, history worship. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose that's fair. Um, anyway, this map is stupid and none of the jokes are good. Like, I don't think a single joke in here is actually funny. Agreed. Yeah, that's true. They're not. Yeah. Um, and then the there's a description of Europe, which is... Like, haha, the joke, I guess, is that conservatives don't think Europe is good or worthwhile. Fine. Uh, and then there's a section about the population, and then there's a section that is just all racial slurs. Yeah, very weird. I wonder what, uh, what uh, made them decide to have this on here. Like, yeah. I don't see the connection to talk of Europe. <laughs> yeah. It is, um, it is one of those racial slurs where it's definitely offensive, but probably wouldn't get bleeped on cable television, yeah. uh, and they wouldn't cancel Stephen Colbert for saying it on his show. Right. So I, I think that is probably the thing they're going for, is they want to use a, a slur, but one of the uh, big air quotes acceptable ones. Yeah, so the audience doesn't go crazy. This is a slur for a mixed-race person, and I don't see how it ties to this idea of Europe. Yeah. Yeah, it's- uh, I think they wanted to use the uh, word for the nomadic European people, but that became uh, unacceptable in modern Oh, Ireland. that's- yeah, maybe. Although those two don't really connect, but I see where what you're saying would make more sense. Yeah. Yeah, and it seems to be implying that, like, the government of the European Union is run by these people, which is, like, too specific a thing that I've never heard about before to be anything other than this person's genuinely held beliefs. Yeah, and that is, in general, like, some sort of lesser race runs the government, like, a very popular brand of conspiracy theory. Yes. I think it's it's very odd how often conservative humor boils down to, but we all agree about this one obscure, hateful position, right? And, like, even other conservatives are often like, what are you talking about? Like, the conservatism is so full of, like, conspiracy theory wingnuts now that I feel like even they can't all agree on the one hateful thing that they all believe. Like, yeah. they believe in hate in general, but if you get into specifics, some people are like, yeah, I believe that Jewish people 
run the government. And then other people are like, what? No, it's definitely like the UN's uh, people of color coalition that runs the government or whatever. Like, you all agree that white people should run the government, I guess, but you can't agree on who does run the government because everything you do is driven by, I guess, just general generalized fear that you make your own in some way. <sighs> I don't know. This this current version of the page with the offensive section in question was written by someone named Mutopus um in Oh actually no, sorry. Uh it was from a an anonymous user in how, May of 2012 how and no dare one seems you slander Mutopus. <laughs> yeah, Mutopus's edits were not uh were extensive and not nearly this offensive, but it was the uh first person to edit the page right after Mutopus. Sorry Mutopus. Jeff <laughs> Those facts. <laughs> what were they getting to, though? Uh, it was just like, it It seems like before this edit, it was uh, equally unfunny, but not overly offensive okay. yeah. type of thing. And then someone was just like, I have a personal screed uh, okay. against miscegenation, so we're gonna Fuck. add this whole section. There's so- also a, a, like a banner at the bottom of this page, and it is baffling to me. It is a yellow box with a red border that says, Europe has earned the Senator Al Franken Communist Socialist Marxist seal of approval. And then there's a picture of Al Franken and a waving communist flag gif. And I don't even understand what this is trying to do. Is this making fun of, like, moderators on wikis? What is this? What is this referencing? I guess it's saying that Europe is something uh, the libs like. Yeah, but like, I guess what I'm saying is this: this doesn't seem to be an endorsement of Europe, the continent, or the government, but rather Europe, the page on this wiki. Oh yeah, like this is hmm. like a wiki page banner. Yeah, yeah. Who knows? So, like, they probably don't even know what they're trying to go for with the satire. It got real muddled. <laughs> yes, I suppose is, that's part of it. This page was last updated before Al Franken was uh, ousted as senator, too. Yeah, so. of course. <laughs> mm. uh, something that seems seems neutral that I also don't understand near the top is that Europe is divided between the new Europe, parentheses, good guys, and the old Europe, parentheses, bad guys. Um, I've never heard anyone talk about <laughs> new Europe and old Europe before. Is that me? New, new Europe sounds like a cool, like, music thing, though. Like a music movement. We're part of the New Europe movement. Oh, no, that <laughs> yeah. that might also sound like a racist thing. Yeah, though. it does. No, it that's does. the music genre that Eiffel 65 was a part of yes, in the 90s. Yes, exactly that, yes. <laughs> also, wasn't the people who did Barbie go- Girl Aqua, weren't they, yeah. like, some form of strange European? <laughs> they were Swedish, uh, I think? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, were they the ones who had a former neo-Nazi? No, that is Ace of Base. Ace of Base, right. Uh, Aqua was Danish. Oh, okay. Well, is. I mean, they're not dead. (laughs) Are they still together? Uh, looks like it. Yeah, they've reformed in 2016, uh, after breaking up, uh, in 2001 and then again in 2012. (laughs) Well, good for them. I can confirm that this banner about Al Franken is, like, 
a, a an artifact that can be applied to many pages on this uh, wiki. Like yeah. it it has been a part of hundreds of these pages, and it seems to be applied at random yeah. and doesn't convey to me any new information. <sighs> I don't understand the purpose of this at all. Well, I bet what happened is one time on uh, the Colbert Report, they had a clip of Al Franken saying something like, maybe kids should get free lunches at school. And then as a joke parody, uh, Stephen Colbert turned that into a whole thing about how he's a socialist Marxist communist. So yes. then this wiki is just lifting such a joke. But it's not consistently applied to world governments or socialist concepts yeah. or whatever. It's just thrown onto pages seemingly at random that are unconnected to one another. Yeah. So like... That's because the different people who use and make this wiki have no idea what point they're trying to make with their satire, so different people are like, yeah, this applies, definitely. Yeah, that yeah. is fair. Uh, New Europe seems to be, um... Like, I'm sure that's a Colbert joke, too, but what joke is it? Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't really list countries, it just seems to be talking about um, how they don't want to do war as much anymore. Okay. Um, Sorry, that's old Europe. New Europe is um, good America-loving countries okay. like Poland, Hungary, sure. and the Czech Republic. Okay, that explains it, I guess. Uh, um, I got a random page. Put it in there for you. Okay. It is the put-on-a-happy-face race. And the put-on-a-happy-face race began in April 2007 when the Russian government demanded that Russian radio stations report at least 50% good news. So, this must be a Colbert Report thing. As Americans, we must not... <laughs> as Americans, we must not a good news gap develop. We must immediately begin to report at least 60% good news to counter the Russian good news threat. I do think it is wild how many typos are on this wiki. It's <laughs> definitely the most typos of any wiki we've ever done. Even the ones that were made clearly by five-year-olds have better, <laughs> like, text than this. Yes. Yeah, object shows didn't have typos. This one does. <laughs> I mean, it did have typos, but not this many typos. Uh, the only things that I'm enjoying on this wiki are clearly references to The Daily Show, such as suggested good news stories, doggy beauty pageants, golf tips with sexy golf and Spider-Man 3 updates. <laughs> <laughs> that is a pretty good joke. Uh, I do... This is going to be a blast from the past, but for some reason this wiki is giving me huge vibes of the first Reddit we ever did on our previous Just Seeing Reddit of um, Explain to Me Like Dr. Cox. Oh, that was... Yeah, that was not our, first, our, but yeah. yeah. Our first one was Bollywood. Oh, that's uh, right. I guess it was the second or third one, but like... yeah. It was early. It is a similar thing of there's this character that was written on a show, and the writers, regardless of how good or bad the show was, the writers at least knew the shape of what a joke needed to be like. Yeah. And then that character, people were like, I get it. This character yells. I can also be funny by doing that one thing. Yeah. And, like, you've missed all of the other stuff that was needed to make that character funny. That's how I feel about this show, too. This, too, of, like, people are like, mm, I get it. Stephen Colbert. The thing that's funny about the Colbert Report is that he says very terrible things. Yeah. I can yeah. do that, too. What are you doing? Yeah. There's lots of people that te say terrible things, and they're not funny, and you're one of them now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this page was created in April of 2007 and last updated in December of 2007. God damn! <laughs> <laughs> I always expect that from the wikis we visit, and it's never true. 
Yeah. Yeah, wow. this wiki seems largely abandoned. Ugh. And Plus, yet, there's like the- People are still adding pages to it, though. There was that edit to the Mrs. Butterworth page, and there's yeah. some other recent activity, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Strangers and with Candy page was edited two days ago. True. Strangers with Candy was a good show, huh? It was, and Stephen Colbert was very funny on that show. <laughs> and completely not the character he played on the Colbert Report. That show had the same problem, though. I guess maybe this is something Stephen Colbert and Associates other Exit 57 people haven't really learned, which is that you can't have a character say terrible things as a joke and just have that unchallenged and, like, that's the joke? Because then that's the joke. Then the racial slur is the joke. I think a lot of it stems from comedians at one point in recent history believing that all of the worst things about America were getting better, and it was okay to start making jokes about them again, Uh, and they did not realize that actually they are very bad still, and always have been, and just because we are privileged white middle class people, we had been convinced that they weren't a problem anymore. Yeah. I, um... I'm curious when this character emerged of Stephen Colbert. He, like he was he a created on this the Daily Show fo- and guested on the Daily Show, right? Okay, yeah, he created the character for the Daily Show, yeah. right? The yes. Even even Stephen segment. Yes, <laughs> yes, which <laughs> was <laughs> funny, and yeah. it solved this problem by having it be a debate between two opposite, equally foolish characters. I mean, it was a little both sidesy, but at least their ideas were being challenged. Yeah. yeah. When did he start pronouncing his name that way? Because his sister, who was running for public office, still pronounces it Colbert. Yeah. It actually and, is, because it's just Irish. It's not French. Although he, on the yeah. show, has pretended that he has French ancestry. Like, did he start pronouncing it that way for the character? Yes. Yes. Okay. Huh. And he still does it on his current show. <laughs> Even though he retired the character. I think that may be a contractual requirement because he has name recognition that way. <laughs> God, what what a horrible thing to do to yourself. <laughs> well, yes, exactly. I feel like this is the problem with comedians, like, getting too popular for one specific joke is now you're trapped in that joke forever. Yeah. Uh, I remember the guys on uh, It's Always Sunny talking about how they thought Glenn was the smartest of them because the people in the airport are never going to be yelling his real name at him <laughs> because oh, yeah. he plays the character <laughs> of Dennis, whereas they all <laughs> play their own name characters. Yeah, I I kind of do feel bad for people who are just trying to create something that they think is funny and hopefully some people will like, and then it gets super duper popular, mm-hmm. and they're like, oh, if I'd known this, I would have done some things differently. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. I feel oh, like, I feel, I'm trying to understand why, and maybe I just don't know, and it is in fact this way, but I'm trying to understand why uh, the, I feel like the characters on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia are also parodies of conservative thinking most of the time. Yeah. But I don't see as much conservatives, like, not getting the joke and being like, no, I genuinely like these characters and agree with them. I think How did they, they do this? I think they take the time to really call things out some 
sometimes and underline them because they know that they're in danger of that and they don't want that to happen. Yeah, I guess I guess part of it too is that like they make sure the characters who have these lines coming out of their mouths immediately before or afterwards are doing something that is so heinous to conservative thought that conservatives cannot possibly identify the, with them. Yeah. Yeah, the the characters are constantly getting like bludgeoned in the head and stuff. <laughs> yeah. So like you you never think, man, I would love to be those guys. Yeah, they're always miserable. <laughs> That's their secret. Yes. <laughs> I guess it goes back to that renegade cut video we talked about last week that Jeff posted with the the Rick and Morty thing. He he does draw a parallel between Rick and Morty and It's Always Sunny, mm-hmm. where in It's Always Sunny, the characters are seen as losers who you would never want to be because they never succeed at anything. Mm-hmm. Whereas Yeah, everyone else in their neighborhood hates them. Yes. Whereas in Rick and Morty, or in something like Colbert Report, like, the character that you are supposed to not agree with and is satirizing their worldview is also shown as the coolest and most correct character. Yeah. So, like, yeah. what are you doing? You can't do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, the thing that weirds me out about It's Always Sunny is there's one episode where each character in turn does a Philadelphia accent, and it made me think... <laughs> Why don't they all, like, why don't any of them do a Philly accent during most of the show? <laughs> no one has Philadelphia accents anymore. It's like only yeah. the, the soccerist of moms that have Philly accents uh, anymore. My little, my little brother still does, and he's lived in the deep south for like seven years. <laughs> what? How? I didn't even know it was possible to hold on to that accent. It's such a wild, like, bucking bronco of an accent. Yeah, it's, I think that it's mostly people who live, like, around the Pine Barrens area, like, a little farther west than you, Matt. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I think it's weird how people can, uh, have or lose accents anyway. Like, it doesn't seem to have any relation to certain other specific metrics about your life. Yeah, I do, I often wonder, and, like, I don't think it's a problem if this is the case, but I wonder how often people hang on to accents because of a, like, fondness for their culture as opposed to, a like, an insurmountable physical problem. Yeah. Because, like, you can learn to speak in a different accent, and, like, you can get, you can pick up a new accent and just, it, once you use it enough, it just becomes your accent. Yeah. So it's yeah. not like you're trapped in it. You have to be making the conscious choice of, like, I'm keeping this accent that I have. Yeah. Which I think is certainly very comfortable for a lot of people uh, more than others. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Um. I do think it's kind of interesting that there are certain ways of growing up speaking where you just never learn to make certain syllables or mouth sounds and you just mm-hmm. can't. Like the like the fact that uh white people often have a hard time speaking like African languages because of the ne- necessity of using your tongue in certain ways that we just don't do yeah. in English. I think that's mm. interesting. It's pretty crazy how it. a baby raised in anywhere in the world to speak any language can speak it absolutely perfectly when they get older. But once you're not a baby, <laughs> it's fucking hard as hell to try to make some new sounds. <laughs> yes, that's true. I, um, I watched a cool video about the, like, different sounds that human mouths can make, Mm -hmm. and there's, like, a bunch of different categories that intersect, and there's some intersections where, theoretically, there should be, like, a back-of-the-mouth fricative or whatever, but we can't physically do it, and that's really interesting to me. Yeah. Yes. 
Uh, similarly, I mentioned it on this show maybe a month ago, but if you are interested in this kind of stuff, you should watch that Falconry and Me YouTube series that I talked about where they show a raven learning to speak English. And like, it is wild the way, the way that this raven's body and beak move to make human language is so freaky and awesome. Damn it, I picked fricative and that's the only one where literally every part of our mouth can do it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, there's also, uh, there's ones that, like, we can't physically do, but there's also ones that we could do, but no known language uses that sound, mm-hmm. which the, is the forbidden, even more interesting. The forbidden sounds, we call those ones. <laughs> yeah. Labiodental plosive, whatever that means. Is that, like, clicking your... your teeth together? <laughs> <laughs> you have to put your Smack lips it's... under your teeth. <laughs> Smacking your lips. I guess that I one mean... would take too long. I guess ah. clicking your teeth together is a part of skeleton language. Oh, that's true. Ooh. The only part, really. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah, there's joke. a lot of sounds they can't make. I like make. that joke in the Terry Pratchett novel about the skeleton warrior who could only say "gah" because he didn't have a tongue. <laughs> that's true, but he wouldn't even be able to do that. I know. <laughs> well, he did, be... he did have a partially rotted tongue. Yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> I like when zombies have one sound they can make, and it's not, like, ugh or brains. Like, in The Walking Dead, they usually just go, gack. Yes. (laughs) Pretty good. Yeah. Anyway. We're done talking about the wiki entirely, right? Yes, this wiki bums me out. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it sucks ass. Don't uh, don't contribute to it unless you're going to start vandalizing it and deleting pages. Yeah, if you're going to contribute to it, do so in an organized mass way where you take it over and then destroy it. It's like if you're at a party and you and some close friends are joking where you are making each other laugh by skirting a line that you all respect very much, and then someone you don't know very well at the party joins in by just crossing that line completely, and everyone's like, uh. I think I talked about this immediately after getting married, but um, it is shocking to me how many stranger men or men that I barely know, like, through work or whatever, feel comfortable talking to me about, like, haha, so now I guess, like, your wife is gonna be telling you what to do forever, or, like, I'm sorry that you're, like, trapped in a ma- in a loveless marriage. Yeah. Like, <laughs> What are you doing, dude? They're telling just, on themselves. <laughs> yeah, like, you're definitely revealing some stuff about you. But also, like, I feel uncomfortable sometimes asking people how their children are doing. Just because, like, I don't want to be prying into their life. And the fact that these predominantly white, predominantly dudes feel like, oh, but it's culturally okay for me to make a joke about how this guy's never gonna have sex with his wife again. What are you doing? <laughs> Of course that's not okay! Yeah, What's the matter worse. with you? <laughs> anyway. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> Alright guys, well, thank you very much for listening to our show. Uh, if you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes and tell your friends about the show so that we can continue to grow. Things are, our audience is always evolving, always getting bigger. <laughs> well, they're always evolving for sure. Yes. <laughs> that's a fact. <laughs> For a very specific definition of evolving, yes. <laughs> anyway, 
Um, so if you can spread the word, uh, please, please do. If you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on Twitter at HackTheNetPod. We post there every time a new episode comes out, so if you want to see new episodes as soon as they're available, then you can go there and do that. Um, you can also join our Discord to talk to us directly. You can do so by messaging me on, uh, social media at Mas- uh, on Mastodon at Matt Heron at Mastodon.cloud. Uh, I have switched over to Mastodon.social where you can find me at the tag JeffJK. Uh, if you type the URL into your URL bar, Mastodon.social slash at JK, JeffJK. Ugh, boy, it was <laughs> tough getting through that, but that'll get you there. We all um, got through I'm- it together. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I'm also Jeff JK on Snapchat and Instagram. Okay, you can find me on Mastodon at Louisa at Mastodon.xyz. Alright guys, thank you very much for listening. Please come back next time. In the meantime, here's another one for you, Claus Blore. Uh, muscle, muscle, hustle, hustle. Do your job! 